to the chase, okay? What are you guys selling? If you're drowning and I throw you a life jacket, would you grab it? Yes, good. Pick up 200 shares. I won't let you down. Pay him. Pay that man his money. Ask them how they'd like to see 30, 40% returns. What are they going to say? No? I don't want to see those returns. Where's the money, Lebowski? You're going to make a lot of money, right? Be aggressive. Learn how to push. Show them a 3% return. I'll trust you to watch his kids for the weekend. I'm a big fan of money. Move around. Motion creates emotion. I did not know that. That's it. I'm done. Welcome back to Session Jacks. I'm Tom Alley's Mr. Pat Weber on the board. S&P Futures up 12. NASA Futures up 63. Dow Futures up 57. We're going to continue our kind of leak up rally here. Kevin, I, uh, how are you? Good morning. What is this place? I'm not here usually on Monday mornings. Um, no, you're not. Well, it all started with your buddy Flanagan um, that was allegedly going to Rolling Meadows for jury duty today. So, uh, since you and Carl were not on on Friday, Carl always wants to be on, so do you. We, uh, we, we and as soon as I got done c- uh, collecting you guys, of course, last night, phone rings and it's Mr. Flanagan. Hey, what the hell? They don't need me. Am I on? <laughs> no, you're not. Come on. Come out on Wednesday with Kevin for a little bit and he goes, okay. He was, he was very happy to not be going to, uh, as they call it in the vernacular, rolling ghettos. The, um, rolling ghettos? Yeah. All of a sudden now, everybody is being the last man to get, uh, Eric had to go out there. If you don't drive, it's, uh, damn near, man. poor Eric, Eric May, for those that uh, remember him, he'll be back on pretty soon, by the way. He, uh, I see him one morning. This is summertime, thank God. Of course, it's hotter than hell. And I see him waiting for a bus as I'm coming in. It's, you know, it's 5.30. I go, Eric, where the hell are you going? Going out to Rolling Meadows. i got to go to the uh, Northwestern. I said, well, I'll drive you over to the station at least. And um, so I drive him over there, and it it turns out the, uh, well, they're supposed to be, uh, Rolling uh, Meadows is a courthouse, Arlington Park, on the opposite side of the grandstand, like if you, if you look beyond the back stretch, there's a street, and it's across that street. So it's way, way the bleep up there if you live in the city. And uh, so he goes up there, and allegedly, he, of course, he dutifully goes online, sees that if he get off in Arlington, not the Arlington racetrack stop, but there's another Arlington stop, evidently, I'm going to be... Well, uh, downtown Arlington Heights, yeah. Well, evidently, there's supposed to be a bus there that takes you over to the courthouse, because they know people are coming up there for jury duty. So he gets off, and it's, it's pushing 90 degrees. And, uh, of course, now because of the COVID, the bus had been canceled, and even though the courthouse had, uh, came back open, the bus had not been reinstated. So finally, after an hour sitting in the sun, cab comes by and he ends up, uh, I don't know, he ends up taking a cab, which, you know, I don't know, would cost him something. So he gets there and, and he's like last. So first they give him crap about being a little late. Then they say, we don't need you. <laughs> like the second he's there. Now he's got to <laughs> repeat the trip going back. So I said, well, you just yeah. walk around the park and wait there? He goes, no. I go online, I figure out that I, I got like an hour and a half to wait for the train. And, uh, so I just walked, I figured I needed the exercise, I walked, I walked all the way back. I go, how hot was that? He goes, it was pretty damn hot. I came home, took a shower, and went to work. <laughs> God. There's, there's a nice morning. I said, well, at least get paid for the day or 20 bucks. He goes, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Well, it, something though, it, this, it, it does shine a little light on, uh, uh on one of the, uh, issues with government and, and helping people. And what I mean by that is that, 
you notice that there, there are two different public entities. One is uh, the buses, one is the courts, and there's no coordination to that, and, and, and they don't know. And the bigger issue is that people who really need services, um, that if you're, you know, let's say you're poor, you know, you're, 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 uh, you, you could be jobless, you could, it could be ranged from jobless to homeless to just needing public assistance to, uh, you know, uh, to uh, the food stamp program or you know, whatever it is. And none of them are coordinated. What happens is, uh, you know, it, it becomes a full-time job being poor and trying to get help because for this service you have to go here, fill out forms, wait. For a different service you have to go some other place, meet somebody else, fill out forms, wait. And that becomes your life. Yep, it, yep. Is, uh, it is a, uh, it, it is not easy being poor. Uh, and I think that's that's something a lot of people you know forget or don't realize um, is that people who are using services you you might think well you're living on the dole and uh, and, and ain't that easy uh, no it's not easy and it's not easy at all it's, well I mean how many people it's, are it's, it's, it's are, a really hard way to live to try and get your feet on the ground and get yourself oriented to doing you know to to becoming more uh, um, you know to getting back into the what would I would call the normal, you know, workaday life? Well, um, just it the a, a lot of work to get back there. Just the simple action of renewing your your driver's license, um, like every was it every three years or something? Especially when you went into the part where they, where they wanted everybody to get this new stupid ID, uh, the real ID. Yeah, I mean that's 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 an entire day obligation easily. If you can find a place that'll do it, and now they want you to make appointments, I actually no. Imagine if you need, you know, uh, different forms of uh, of assistance. Well, and so now you're doing that. You're doing it on a regular basis because yeah. you have to see them on a regular basis, and, uh, uh, and 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 you're doing it. You know, three, four. You know, you have three or four or five of those going on at the same time. Um, it, it is. Uh, we, we need to figure out how to be better at what we do to help people. Um, that's why you know it's it's when you when you look at the uh, you know government uh, and how I, I, I hearken back to the interview that uh, what's his name the, the, the Italian guy Arnie Arnie uh, is it Arnie Marzullo the alderman yeah Arnie, uh-huh. Arnie Marzullo. Had Walter Jacobson, and Walter was talking about, um, you know, how come the guys in your district, you know, if you need a garbage can, you get it faster than anybody else? <laughs> and uh, Alderman Vito, Vito Marzillo, Vito, and Vito says, Walter, that's what I do for people. That's my job, is to make it easy for people to have the simple stuff that the city needs to perform. I get it for my guys. That's my job is the alderman. And, and, and Walter, Walter was talking about is how you manage to have enough power to get the city services to basically chop-chop for you and other people essentially don't do it. And Vito just kept saying, that's the whole point. <laughs> if, if somebody, if a rat dives into somebody's garbage can and, it's, and, and it, there's a hole in it, I get him one the next day. That's what I'm supposed to do. <laughs> Which, he under, he understood the drill. Walter had no, I, I mean, Walter I mean, had his own sort of agenda, but he was nice. It was very actually a nice interview, but um, that that that's the deal, isn't it? Is providing services every, every time? I mean, it's not often. I end up getting on the phone with People's Gas or, or uh, the other knuckleheads, Commonwealth Edison or whatever. 
Um, all I keep thinking of is, is English is my native language. I've got an advanced degree, and this is a royal pain in the ass, and I can barely understand these people. I can't imagine what my buddy Salvador goes through on the phone, or his or his son-in-law is barely speak English. I'm not, I'm not saying that everybody should... Yeah, no, should what, everybody, what you're saying is if your English is a second language, and then we outsource... Uh, to people who speak English as a second, uh, as a different, uh, yeah. a second language to a different language, we've just made that really difficult to people. Yeah. So there I was in the Myers yesterday morning, and I love the double speak, right? Minding your own business. Minding my own business. Well, of course, I got the stupid mask on, and you know, as guys get older, they're not the, be- the best smellers in the world anyway. And all of a sudden, my ladies, the same five ladies, are always there at the crack of dawn on. Uh, Sunday morning, they're like, God, what the hell is that smell? Jesus Christ. <laughs> so, all of a sudden, this, you know, a new low in human, human. So they, they got these things that look like coolers, but they're not for grabbing, you know, like a, a, a drink that doesn't have to be refrigerated or something. Right in, right on the aisle. And then the ladies are dashing around, dashing around. All of a sudden, I start to smell something. I mean, turns out some loser must have been like on Friday or something. Had a big package of chicken. They decided not to buy, and they stuck instead of bringing it back or telling the, the cashier they didn't want it. They stuck it in that cooler without any heat or out the refrigeration. So by yesterday morning, it was it was bad. <laughs> These girls are like, oh, who the hell would be stupid enough to do that? So now they without now they have their the new hours instead of being twenty four hours. Right, is uh, six a.m. to midnight every day. So I say to one of the ladies, I goes, how come you guys cut back to 6 a.m. to midnight? And she goes, well, you know, the COVID stuff, we have to do deep cleaning every night. So I look at her and I go, how long have you and I talked on a Sunday morning? What's the real reason? She goes, you wouldn't believe the losers that come in here in the middle of the night. Nobody wants to work. But the official reason is COVID. Well, it's good to have an official reason. Yeah, you got you to have an official reason. But she goes, yeah, nobody wants to work in the middle of the night. These people come in. We get like a weirdo every night. We don't want to hire two or three security guys, so we just said, the hell with it. <laughs> we'll be closed from midnight to six. How, how, is this, is, is everything just getting that whacked, whacked around here, or what? We can't even be open for fear of people? And then these two guys, I just, we was having a, of course, a discussion with, uh, uh, I, I have to believe, Kevin, this big, if you ever heard the guy, was it, what was the guy's name again? Perlo, Manny, you were saying? Uh, uh, yeah, Joe Perillo, I think, is who you're talking about. Who owns uh, he's BMW and some other high-end dealerships. Well, of course, they have the, the obligatory two African Americans come in with a gun. One guy guards the door. Somehow or another, he had some display going on of uh, high-end watches. Now, I don't know if he's a collector or what. It, I have no idea. But, but of course, these guys come in and they they bust through the display case and they take what he alleges is two million dollars worth of watches and. Uh, of course, you know, everybody's outraged even at the... I'm going to say, Kevin, that the chances of these two black guys knowing that this guy had that... Unless they're all over the... You know, we're not talking about a couple of street thugs. These people know exactly what's going down. I mean, I was talking to somebody at the Binnies when the, the riots took place. I go to Binnies once in a while. I'm not, I don't buy that much booze, but once in a while I stop in. And uh, I had no idea they had a double secret room with the high-end stuff. Yet the looters went right to that room and busted down that door and got the real high-end stuff. You can't tell me that there isn't some sort of an organized aura to this that isn't, that isn't your 18-year-old street thug. 
or am I just being a, a South Side cop? No, 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 okay. absolutely. It's organized. It's planned. It's executed. It goes really, really well. And you're seeing that all over the country. I, I'm, I'm thinking that... You're, you're seeing it all. That was kind of one of the, one of the funny things when, when you had uh, Wayne on for me and, and he talked about, um, you know, Debbie Dingell's uh, congresswoman uh, uh, from Michigan, her office in Detroit being ransacked and blamed it on insurrectionists. Yeah, because nobody else is, you know, looting and ransacking offices in this country nowadays. Must be those damned in- insurrectionists. Yeah, yeah. This is going on everywhere. And uh, it's it's because everybody knows they're not going to be prosecuted. Yeah, I was um, I spent some time. Um, my nephew was looking for a truck, so I had a chance to spend some time with him on Saturday. And uh, various and sundry trucks we were looking at, which always everybody knows I love looking at trucks. And uh, I, I wonder if you look at the everybody, of course, is throwing as much money as you can at at uh, Lori Lightfoot and Kim Fox. I wonder, you know, if they were on the air, you know, everybody knows when I interview somebody, I like to get all part of the story. Kevin, I, I you know, this, if you go actually look real close at, like, the uh, the bail system and so forth, I think, I don't know that much about it, but what I do know is that it, it kind of was inherently unfair in the sense that if you had any kind of dough, and, you, you know, if you're, a, if you're a white guy and you're going to fight in a barn and you hurt somebody, you're out that night. You know, if you're a black guy, you know the money, or if you're a white guy without the money, you pretty much don't get out. And they, and you wonder how fair of a system that is. So after a long period of time, I mean, these people know more about the system than I do, they pretty much figure out, or or think they figure out, that if you're a minority, you got a much better chance of basically cooling your heels in jail till whenever they decide to, to do your trial than if you have more money, which usually means you're white, which not always. And uh, I'm not so sure I disagree with that, necessarily. But the solution of theirs is, well, we're just going to let these other people out as well. And they basically are down, what are they down, 1,500 people in a jail or some huge number? Yeah, but the, the yeah. problem is, isn't you know, you're, it's not like you're, uh, you know, you're, you're limiting that to first-time offenders or so on. It's, it's multiple offenders where it's clear, um, you know, let, let, let's put it this way. Uh, if if you know you're caught and you're going to jail anyway, uh, and and you get let out, what do you care if you well, if you commit a second crime or a third crime or whatever? Well, where I was going with this is I don't I don't no. think from people that have worked uh, my buddies that I meet on Tuesday and Wednesday night, they claim she was when she was the uh, or didn't she work in the state's attorney's office or did she did something or a police that so she's pretty law and order. I mean, it's not like she wants everyone around killing people. I mean, she doesn't. I mean, nobody ever accuses her of that, even if people don't like her. But I just wonder how shocked they are at the at, at the response they've gotten to essentially their the idea that you know we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna look at people, the best part of people, and we're gonna you know at least for a while. I I'm, I think that they're stunned by the response that that, that it really hasn't worked out at all. But I, you know, it's not like I don't think they expected that to happen to you. Where every guy, every guy they li- like they, they didn't expect that uh, uh, that Waukesha guy to, uh, uh, to they, they may not have expected him to drive a uh, a truck through a uh, celebration, but could they have not predicted that um, you know that he would commit yet another violent crime after a long string of, uh, string well, of violent crime? I'm saying, including running over his girlfriend with a 
uh, a truck and uh, and, uh, and other domestic violence events. Uh, yeah, they they seem totally surprised. Actually, the prosecutor in Milwaukee uh, that leads the prosecutor's office that let the guy out is on the record a few years ago when he was talking about bail reform, saying, "So, am I going to let out a guy who kills somebody at, so, at some point?" Yeah, that's going to happen. He's not shocked. He's just you know he's counting a different deck of cards than you and I are. Um, evidently, I mean, I, you would think you'd have done it on some sort of a gradual or limited basis at work, but it's not way. It's not the way these uh these, these people work, but it it, it is really I don't I don't know what's going to happen to the economy, and every you know every time Kevin something like this happens, whatever it is, uh, be it the resolution trust, and I'm not, you know I'm not as much of a conspiratory guy as, as our certainly as our friend Wayne is, although I'm getting there. Um, every time this happened, when you look at the resolution trust, is the first one I remember in my lifetime. And I've done a little bit of reading on it, although it's getting harder and harder to find stuff on, on the Internet. Um, did Volcker really have to put the savings and loans out of business? I don't know. I don't, th- I don't think he did. And, and there's a guy who's, who's being pressured by the major banks and who ended up with all that business, the banks. And they're all still here. I mean, uh, did he really have to... I don't. I mean, right now, I think that the people in office... The ones that are talking about this inflation, especially our president, who thinks we because one month it was point nine, next month it's point eight. He thinks he thinks he's winning. Is, 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 is he out of his mind? <laughs> my my favorite is that in the bill they have some things that are going to lower the prices of some some kinds yeah. of products, and he says because see it's it's because we're going to lower these prices. It's it's actually going to help on inflation. No, it's not going to help at all because I mean, they have mandated help, uh, mandated price controls in certain areas. I mean, the, the whole idea. I mean, they can't be. They can't be this dumb. Nobody. I mean, this economic theory's been around I, for fifty I'm years. I'm starting to believe they can be, Tom. Uh, I don't know. The younger people who they would. I, I think. I think there's puppet masters who aren't that dumb, but I think there's politicians. Well, who okay, but clearly I, that dumb. I can understand AOC or some Republican who's thirty years old not understanding. The inflation, as it happened the last time, or clearly the World War II inflation, which I didn't, I never saw, it, I never understood. But I don't see Joe Biden's older, way older than me. How, do, how does he not remember the the uh, what happened in, in the seventies and eighties? And what I'm saying, I'm the idea that you're going to fix this with you know the how many times last Friday and Thursday did you hear that the Fed has the tools that if they raise rates to one percent, it's going to fix this? I mean, they're out of their mind. But I don't, I don't think that Volcker had to make it to twenty. I'm wondering if that had, didn't have a different agenda. I'm not accusing the man or anything. He's not around. To, but it seems like every single time this sort of happens, so there, there's there's big winners. And now there's going to be, if you assume that you're on the 20-year plan, like the movie Escape from New York way back in the day when New York was basically a bleep hole, and, uh, you know, Times Square was a, was a million porn stars, porn stars, porn uh, pornography shops, and God knows. My first time in New York, I couldn't believe the place. Yeah. But speaking of porn stars, why are they all stars? You know, aren't there some B-list actors in, in porn? I think if you were any good, you were in like every... I digress. Well, I think, well, I think if you were in one movie, you are in like a hundred. You, you get okay. a fun... You got a fun... Wait a minute. Um, anyway, I, you know, now down... Is it that cold that when the down... That if you assume Chicago's downtown will be okay a decade from now? You know, now... Some people are going to end up with a lot of buildings down here. 
on fifty cents on the buck. Are, are they that cold that they're gonna, that they're going to screw the whole place up just so they can pick up that kind of stuff, whoever the they are? And, and all of a sudden, twenty years from now, they're they're, they're you know they're, they're rich beyond dreams of avarice. I mean, is is are they are they are, are there people that are just that long term looking and that cold that they that they're going to pull something like that off? And, and all of a sudden get all these, but I mean, I, I gotta believe the building across the street, was it three, what did John say, 330 million in 2018? If it, if it sells today, Kevin, what, what's the number? 150? 125? Maybe? Yeah, I, I mean, it's, it, so that's, that's, that's what happened in the Resolution Trust, that's what happened in 2007, 2008, and uh, you start to wonder every single time there's this massive transfer of wealth to people that seemingly bought it legitimately in, in under one set of economic assumptions, and all of a sudden, you know, something happens and the economic assumptions just take them out and they're just gone. And if they're insurance companies, I don't, not so sure they care all that much. They take the hit on the mortgage, they raise their insurance price, and and what's the difference? I mean, I, it, 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 the the economic flow of this over a long period of time is starting to make me very suspicious on the whole stuff. I can't prove it. I, I don't know if I'm just, I don't know. I, I, many things well, let's, getting... let's look at the uh, the most honest case would be that when you have a when you have an intervention, uh, you know, a, a, any kind of major event or major government intervention in, into markets or whatever it is, there will be some who win and some who lose, and the ones who win are going to be uh, the ones who can size it up uh, before everybody else, see what's happening, and they have the means uh, uh, to uh, to jump on it and and to make sure that uh, that they're in the winning position. So that would be the most benign explanation for it. The the uh, worst case explanation is that you go to the other end of the spectrum and you say these people are so evil and corrupt that they're willing to engineer this at the expense of others. Or the middle ground well, on that spectrum is where we is where we are. Well, I think and there's also a middle ground that if if you look at the uh, well, it, well, even the well, there's there's a point to be made there. But I mean, if you look at the uh, even in the two thousand eight seven eight fiasco, how many people got booted out of their house? Or if they just would have refinanced the house for the person who was in there, they could have stayed. But be, absolutely. But, but if you go back to the Resolution Trust, I could, if you were in the know, this is Bush one, and everybody, if you were to say, you know, have a, have a survey and say who was probably the most principled and honest of the last eight or nine presidents, I'm going to say a, a, a real big number of those people will, will name Bush one. Wouldn't you say? Maybe not the best president. You no, know, a lot of people would. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think if I would. Well, and I, but the more my some of my clients used to tell me about the Resolution Trust, the deal there was, I think if you had money and you wanted to pick up somebody's properties from these savings and loans out of, was a, well, there was a Silverado's in Denver, and who was the one that Keating, one with Keating owned in Phoenix? I mean, there, there were properties going right and left. The Phoenician was one Silverado of them. Silverado had uh, Neil Bush involved. Yeah, well, it was, yeah, it was <laughs> allegedly a CIA front <laughs> out of a... Uh, that was in Denver, right? But there was one, in, there was more than one, but there was one big one in Phoenix too. And uh, so, if if you if you had the money and and had the you know somewhat of I don't know if you had what you had to apply what you had to do, 
you had to come, if you had like ten or twenty percent of the cash, the government would loan you the other eighty or ninety percent at a real nice rate to essentially get somebody else's property for ten or twenty or thirty cents on the buck. Or if you gave the person who owned it any sort of any sort of uh, help, if you it, gave the person who owned it the same deal, oh yeah, he'd have been um, maybe even a half salvage, deal. You could salvage the situation. Yeah, but then the best part was if you were really connected. There was a program where you got granted the first ten or twenty percent, and then they loaned you eighty or ninety percent on top of that, or three or four times on top of that. When I say eighty or ninety percent, I mean at the end of the day, if you had a billion dollars of a property, your loan was eight hundred million. So they actually they lent you four times what they just gave you if you were really in the know. And there were a bunch of properties. This one guy, uh, he was a big time developer out there. He was probably, probably second biggest under Keating, the, the Keating but he managed to wiggle out in time. Um, and he, he said the Phoenician was put together, there was about 10 properties, Phoenicians being one of them, and they, uh, they were going to go for like 30, 40 cents on the buck. And they had different buyers for, you know, a couple of them here, a couple of them there. And out of Washington, they said, no, we're not, we're not piecemealing this stuff. We're not going to back like a bunch of tramps. We want somebody who's, you know, got the, the, the hands to take like all 10 of them. So the price went from 30, 40 cents on the buck to like 20% on the buck. And it was one of Bush's clan's buddies out of Washington. He basically bought all the stuff. So, I mean, the idea that there we've had, you know, an honest person anywhere along the line in there, whether they happen to be honest or not, the stuff that, take, that takes place under their, their watch. Now, maybe yeah, those who are connected are, yeah. are, are going to get it, and it uh, are going to do well. And this is, you know, I've said this before, the, the, you know, there are all kinds of philosophical reasons to argue for smaller government or less government. There are, uh, there are constitutional reasons, uh, if you're, if you're strict with the Constitution to argue for it. But, uh, but the best reason to argue for less government is incompetence and corruption. Well, that's and right. The bigger it grows, the more, the more incompetent it gets, the more corrupt it gets. But somehow there have, there have been times when, uh, my my and my uncles were you know they were been dead forever they're old guys but I learned a real lot from them and my and my one uncle who uh, he, he was in the beer distribution business so he kind of knew where all the bones were buried uh, but he he was telling me you know under this is under daily one he said people are are happy with the level of corruption it's manageable he said we you, you're never going to have none there has to be a level. Where the, where the corruption is almost like, like the Vito Marzullo corruption. You know, my nephew just got laid off in this company, the company left town, can you get him a job doing something for a while until he finds another job? And you slip the guy into the system and he shows up for work and actually does something. Yeah, is, is that corrupt? Yeah, is it harmless? Pretty much. I mean, it's the patronage system instead of the civil service system. And they did, they did work at the University of Chicago. They, they thought the patronage system was actually better on an economic, whatever. And, uh, but I mean, there, there, there's a certain level at which things are managed. I mean, I, I think that there's a, uh, I think the PT boat manufacturer, uh, engine manufacturer got five or ten percent more than he probably should have in World War II. Five or ten percent spent in the neighborhood, I can live with that, Kevin. Now, is it fifty percent where they, where the money goes overseas? Now that's a problem. You think? I mean, it, there, there, there's levels of this because we're, we're all humans, right? There's always going to be a little something, especially in Chicago, where you, everybody gets to wet their beak. Now, if you if you wet it five ten percent, and everybody knows that there's just a little bit, and it just kind of greases the the wheel, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to spend my whole life worried about five or ten percent. But when people 
starts like stealing buildings and stuff. Now that's a different story, I think. Now, and I don't know. I mean, am I, am I right or wrong on that? I'm just you know. There, there's no, I, I I I get what you're saying. Um, I, I, I hate to just accept that um, a, a certain level of corruption is okay, but I know what you're saying that it it was at least manageable. At least it wasn't steering the whole system. It was just a bunch of ones and twos. Um, but uh, it, it, nevertheless, we we I are agree. looking at uh, now. We're you know we're way beyond that and. Well, we're that to where we're questioning we're questioning whether the place is going to go belly up. SP Futures up ten, Nasdaq Futures up sixty five. Come back, rare treat. We have Kevin and Carl on for a bit, ganging up on me. Maddie, you're on my side. Remember that. We'll be right back, Stacks and Jeff. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks. Jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here. Right now. Right here, right now, right now. Hello and welcome back to Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tom Al. Brett Weber on the board. SP Futures up 10. NASDAQ Futures up 65. I think I heard you have get Carl on the phone. That's a, I'm very happy to hear that because I forgot all about Carl was down there where the, near, the, near the tornado, so he's with us. That's a good thing. Now Futures up 38. We'll talk about that in a second here. Over in Europe, we've got the DAX up 138.9%. Let's see, he's actually down 16.2%. Probably some of that has to do with uh, some of the COVID cases that are flying through uh, Britain now. Okay, like around up four, call that unchanged. In Asia, we got the Nikkei up 202.7%. Shanghai up 14.4%. Hang Seng uh, down 41.2%. So again, they can't be all to the same direction the same day for some reason. 
On Friday, the Dow was up 216, and the S&P up 44, NASDAQ up 113. Can't keep this market down. Uh, bonds. Now we have the, the Fed meeting this week, so who knows? Maybe Jay, uh, Jay Powell can do something to get it down, but he doesn't want to. He wants it to stay up as well. Tenure, 1.47. thing has done nothing but kind of go down since they say they're going to taper and fight inflation, which is really not what you'd, you'd expect if you, if people were telling you the truth. A bond, minus 0.35. Japan, positive 0.04. So, bonds are not signaling any sort of change in policy. If they are, they're signaling the wrong way. Uh, oil, down 53 cents, 71.14. Brent down 59 cents, 74.56. Natural gas up 6 cents, but still under 4 hours at 3.98. They got down to like 3.85 or something. Uh, we've got gold up 5.20 at 17.90. Silver down 3 cents, 22.13. Copper up a penny, 4.30. And we've got Bitcoin down 1,500, down kind of low of this range now, 48,877. That's uh, a ways down from the 63,000, I'm going to say, three weeks ago. Maybe we have force traffic weather sports. 37 minutes past the hour. Good morning to everyone out there. Off to a great start here on a Monday morning as far as the traffic is concerned. No issues on the Edens or Kennedy. Eisenhower starting to build, but no accidents to report. Stevenson is all quiet. Same for the South Side Expressways. Only crash in the area is down on I-80. It's on the eastbound side at Torrance Avenue, which is exit 161. Uh, but that's our only crash in the area right now. Weather today, uh, a, a nice uh, day for mid-December. We'll have uh, partly cloudy skies, a high of 48 in the city. We'll be in the low 50s out in the suburbs. Right now it is clear and 38 going up to a mostly sunny high of 48. For our Phoenix listeners, partly cloudy with a high of 71 today. Right now it's clear and 48. In sport, sports, Sunday night football last night, it was an interesting game to say the least. The Bears end up losing uh, at Green Bay. 45-30 to 30 was the final. Uh, but the Bears uh, actually had a 10-point lead in the first half and led at halftime 27-21 to 21 before uh, Green Bay took over and dominated the second half en route to winning by a couple of scores. Justin Fields was up and down, 18 of 33, 224 yards. He did throw two touchdown passes, but also threw two interceptions and lost a fumble. Uh, he also carried the ball nine times for 74 yards, including a long of 20. So uh, an up and down performance for him. David Montgomery, 10 carries for 42 yards. Uh, but uh, that was uh, pretty much it uh, for the offense. Uh, Jakeem Grant was kind of the star of the show with a punt return for a touchdown and a couple of uh, long plays from scrimmage as well uh, as probably the MVP. Aaron Rodgers was spectacular, 29 of 37. Is that guy fast enough, Grant? He is fast. 341 yards and four touchdowns for Aaron Rodgers. No interceptions. He had a near-perfect rating of 141.1. Monday Night Football, it'll be uh, our Phoenix listeners excited for their 10-2 and Cardinals to host the 8-4 and Rams in a big NFC West matchup tonight on Monday Night Football. Looking forward to that one. Lastly, College Hoops, uh, it was Northwestern blowing out uh, the New Jersey Institute of Technology, NJIT, 70-52. to Matty, I'm thinking you play for those guys. Well, they are D1, so uh, in spite of <laughs> the weird name, they're, they are one of the 358 Division One basketball teams. So uh, I've seen them live before. Good, Carl. How are you, bud? Well, you know, a little early on the uh, caffeine loading, so I'm, I'm working on fixing that. Well, there you <laughs> go. Other than that, I'm great. How <laughs> close were you to the tornado? Oh, not at all. It's uh, you know, it, of course, we had, we had this thing that happened here. It was called rain. Yeah, that's you know. 
rather common. Well, the uh, I talked but, to uh, but, I, but now you know. To be fair, if you were west and north of us by you know a fair little bit, uh, I got real sporty. Well, I talked to Audrey's uh, cousin. Used to have a used to live down in Tennessee and had a, a fine dining restaurant and whatever. I called him and he said, "Yeah, I talked to his buddy. He, he was the next town over from was it Maypole or Mayfair or whatever." He said, "The town's gone." Talked to the guy down there and said, "Yeah, it's pretty much it was your basic little southern town with the, you know, the, the downtown area and the downtown area got whacked directly. I guess it's toast. It's um well, yeah. I mean, that's uh, that was a the the cell that ripped through Kentucky and Tennessee was a long track. Um, there, there. When I first saw the damage path on it, I said, okay, that looks like an EF three, and they're saying it's probably a two. I don't know. It, it, it looked an awful lot like the tornado that went through outside of Mariana when Ivan was the, the hurricane uh, was was getting us uh, down in Florida, and it, uh, yeah, those things are nasty. I mean, it's the thing that gets me is that everybody's running around saying, oh, you know, global warming. Oh, nonsense, folks. I mean, you know, come on, look. Uh, the way these things happen is fairly well understood. We're not real good at predicting exactly where they're going to happen. But unlike the days of old, uh, when you found out about it 10 seconds before it hit you, we knew, you know, the day before that this area of the country was going to be under the gun. And it, it just comes from the warm Gulf moisture that comes up here and the, you know, the jet comes down, brings it, drags a strong cold front through there. And uh, then all you have to do is, is get rotation going and you've got a tornado. Well, what happened? I mean, uh, I'm sitting here, I got my Wikipedia open because I had done some study years ago on this, uh, the tri state tornado. The one, uh, right. <clears throat> but evidently there was a, nobody was alive, it was 1925. But it was a, this thing actually, the interesting part of it, it went, it started in uh, Missouri, went all the way through Illinois and, uh, and, and Indiana. And I think it was like the same tornado just stayed on the ground, but there's 700, 700 and some people got killed and the thing like followed a railroad track. It was like it was a train. It was a, but, uh, there's a, actually a big study came out in 2013 of this particular tornado and they were talking about the surface and upper air data and how, how's this for, I know, I know why Mandy didn't give this report. Uh, upper air data was obtained and meteorological reanalysis was utilized Adding significant knowledge to the synoptic and even mesoscale background of the event. How's that for Monday morning? Yeah, well, I mean, I just in, you know, in the Three Stooges doing their Big Latin episode. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> the uh, I, uh, so I mean, it, you know, that stuff is. I mean, it's pretty much just horrible stuff. Uh, what? But let's get into some uh, interest. We have the Fed meeting this week. Uh, Carl was just talking to Kevin, and it seems like. Uh, the bond market, whatever these people are telling you they're going to do, the bond market's telling you exactly the opposite. Or is it, I don't see any sniff that these guys are going to cut back on pouring money into the system. And they've already declared victory on this inflation after the point nine to point eight. I, I don't think they're, I think they're still pouring gas on the fire. Do they, do they even realize it or they don't care? Well, I think, you know, I, I think a little historical context is useful here. Um, if you remember the the nasty inflation in the end of the 1970s and early 1980s, which of course Carter got blamed for, uh, was actually caused by Nixon. And 
infamous slayer, a lot of people don't know this, uh, Nixon had Burns, who was the Fed chair at the time, in his office, and actually physically assaulted him in his attempt to persuade him to leave rates where they should not be. <laughs> and he did it. And uh, a few years later, you know, we, we got what we got. Okay. So the idea that we have this independent agency out there that does these things in a vacuum and is the check and balance on this is just pure nonsense. And, of course, at the time, nobody knew that Nixon had done this. But a few years later, uh, this comes out. And, uh, you know, I mean, this was, this was before everybody had a, you know, had a, a video recorder running or whatever have you. And, of course, you know, Nixon got busted because he doctored the records on, the, you know, on another little event, right? Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah, but the but the thing that is, was an accidental it, erasure. It was an accident, Carl. Uh, yeah, he didn't. He didn't. Do it, you know, secretary. <laughs> I, I'll tell you what's interesting about that. You know, if you think if you think about the you know the world of cover ups and the things that have been done over the years, and you know, the, in the context of the current situation, uh, if Nixon had destroyed the tapes instead of altering them, he probably would have gotten away with it. I would, I would, I would, I'd believe that, yeah. I mean, you know, if you think about it, if he'd, if he'd actually just, you know, taken them out and, uh, you know, on the back lawn and, and put a little gas in there, you know, started a little barbecue with them, I, I don't think Congress would have had the stones to actually impeach him. I think our, our buddy our buddy Wayne said the same thing, didn't he, May? If he just would have destroyed them, he'd, he'd be, they couldn't have kicked him out? Yeah. Um, yeah, that was that, that was really uh, Nixon had a twofold problem. One is that he, he was corrupt, and he was corrupt enough to, you know, to try and engineer uh, um, not just the uh, uh, the break in and everything else that they had going, but also corrupt enough to, um, uh, you know, to do the cover up. Um, he just wasn't very good at it. Well, but the uh, you know, if you're, you're going to be corrupt, you have to be good at it. You know, that, it, <laughs> it just doesn't work any other way. But in terms of what he did economically, I think what Carl started saying is that this is this is the playbook. The the, the thing that you know, just frosts me is that if if you spend any time, any time, even 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 an hour, you know, even even a, a guy who's not even a professor like me could take you through three or four times when when we've done it in this country with the exact same results. And if you were good at it, like some of my Fed guys are to really know this economic history, we start bringing in Weimar Republic, Rome, and everybody else. It's the same thing. I mean, Nixon wanted to pay for the Vietnam War, so he went off the gold standard, just like we did in the Civil War, right, Carl, Kevin? And, 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 and added money to the system to make it easier to finance the war. And over a long period of time, I mean, over, when I say long period of time, it's not a four month phenomenon, it's a four or five year phenomenon. We all of a sudden, this, this, this inflation starts to percolate up, and they're all looking around saying, who the hell caused that? Well, duh. And, and the same thing is happening this time. And it, I don't know, I think I've probably told you guys a couple times, is I, I heard some, one of the Fed members of that era, it's a long time ago, my mom was still alive, I'm driving around to take her to breakfast, and they interviewing this guy in one of these, you know, five in the morning or six in the morning shows. And he says, yeah, you know, everybody kept saying there was inflation, and we blamed it on the Arabs, so we pulled... Energy out of the out of the mix, and then uh, we pulled food out because you know in order to get food to your house, you got to use gasoline. And by the way, you got to dry the soybeans and blah blah blah. So we took food and energy out, and finally one day we had a Fed meeting. We looked around and said, "We can take out all we want. We just got inflation, guys." And guess what? We're the ones who caused it. So you would think that you would be wary of that. Well, you know what the this solution is then? More. 
Time for some wage and price controls. Oh, yeah. That was a oh, yeah. Well, that was, you know, I mean, that was Nixon's first attempt to manage this instead of, you know, don't be so stupid, was he turned around and slapped wage and price controls uh, out there and got away with it, by the way, which, you know, of course, we all know who let that happen. There were 535 clowns that allowed that. Yeah. Um, and got away with that act. And, and, oh, by the way, that was a big part of how health care got bonded into your employment. Well, um, unfortunately, at the time okay, for me... Let's let, finish that thought, because it is, it is kind of interesting. Um, yeah, so, so, so basically... That why that happened. Yeah, so basically your boss couldn't give you a raise, because there were wage and price controls. It was illegal. And so, as a result... The only way to get around that law, because you know, the, the people find a way, right? If you if you pass a law, people will find ways to get around whatever regulation that they want to get around. Well, the way they got around it was they started adding on alleged, you know, so-called fringe benefits, and one of them was paying for health insurance. Um, don't disagree. I, the only thing I, at the time, though, because I, I remember when, who the hell made me read some of this crap. Um, I don't know where I was working, or was I was in school? I think I was in school. But the the bill, the it, it was not as simple as you know, the 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 O'Neill Denninger bill that says, by the way, we're freezing prices, uh, wages, and prices. Of course, it was not that simple. Yeah. The, the the bill was you know many 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 pages long, and a real lot of places still could raise prices and wages, which made it even worse because some guys could raise it, and some guys couldn't. So in other words, if right. you were if you were in the energy area, if you were a gas station, if the wholesale price to you got higher, you could raise it plus. Then, but somebody else maybe couldn't. So if you went through the whole routine, there were massive winners and losers in the bill. Oh, so, abs- oh absolutely. Yeah. And, and, you know, yeah. Well, yeah, but chief, the, the thing about that, that that makes it so insidious, okay, is that uh, after my father passed. Uh, of course, you know my mother was then the uh, you know the keeper of this of the jewels, if you will, you know all the all the family records, and everything else. Well, when she died, uh, my daughter and I went up to Michigan and we went through and you know kept all the important stuff and you know, of course trashed out everything else. It was you know it was junk. I mean, you know how, how do you really need the last ten years of uh, credit card statements, right? So well, <laughs> no. Well, you know, it depends on what's in there, right? So you know, we we went through that. Well. One of the things that I found was, and, and actually Sarah was the one that discovered it, we were sifting through documents and everything else, uh, my father had tried to screw a health insurance company uh, during the, the years before Nick's wage and price controls, and they caught him, and as a result, uh, he ended up having to pay the entire bill for uh, some procedures that my mother needed. Well... Uh, <laughs> from that day forward, he, and I always wondered why during my entire childhood and young adulthood and everything else, why he was such a strong advocate of, you know, Medicare for all, and the government should take care of this, and all that, 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 And it, it never made any sense, because the, the man was a CPA. Uh, he knew exactly where this was going to lead. And yet this was his, I just to the point that we, we got into it one Thanksgiving dinner I, I, I grabbed my at the time very young daughter we walked out of the house and I, I didn't go anywhere near them for, the, for several years it got that bad um, but I found out why after they were both dead 
he had hosed Blue Cross, got caught. They stuck it, stuck the knife in, and twisted it, which they were fully entitled to do, given what he had done. And I, I had the documentation from me, I had a piece of paper, and from them documenting what had happened. And um, from that day forward, but you know, the interesting thing about it was uh, then, of course, Nixon's wage and price controls in come in, and and what happens? The place he works for, uh, the little glass shop called Hallmark's Glass in Detroit, no longer exists. It went out of business. Uh, but that place then then picked up and covered uh, you know the family's quote unquote health care, and so he got bailed out from his craziness by Nixon's insanity. Well, when I when I started the business, uh, if you were a market maker, every every paid imagine this: people on the trading floor paid a dollar a contract, just about everywhere. Oh yeah, no, I remember. Yeah, and then uh, but then the the more you did, you got rebated back. But right. your, your first day, <laughs> I, I think I started with ten grand in my account. My first day, they picked up my health insurance. And about six months later, I was doing a little bit better. I hire a clerk for a hundred dollars a month. They cover the clerk and the family like the best Blue Cross thing there was. I don't think there was even a deductible. It's a hundred bucks for for a family. So, I mean, it. The, the, I mean, because you could you could actually handle pretty much unless you had you know cancer or something, you could pretty much hand, handle the bills yourself back in those days. Right. Well, that was, well, I mean, I have, I have here, because I, you know, I've written on the whole healthcare scam and, and the explosion of, of what happens when you allow corruption and greed and, and destroy competition. You, you basically allow people to violate 15 United States Code Chapter 1, which, by the way, says that this is, all of this behavior is a felony. It's 10 years in prison. And uh, and a million dollars for corporation per offense, all right, which is enough yeah, to bankrupt. Right, offense, I don't care. Isn't it? Yeah. yeah, it's per offense. So I mean, it's enough to bankrupt. I don't care. If, you know, I don't care if you're Microsoft or Tesla or Google or whoever. You, you get hammered with that, you're done. All right. So, but the thing is, is we have not. And, and twice this has gone to the Supreme Court in the 1970s and early 1980s. Uh, Royal Drug and Maricopa County were the two cases. And in both cases, the Supreme Court said not because they tried to argue it doesn't apply. There's there are other there's McCarran Ferguson, which is a law governing insurance that says you're exempt from antitrust if you're an insurance company, and blah blah blah. Yeah, of course, you know this is what happens when you get caught, right? Is that you always go try to argue that you know, go talk to the judge. Well, the Supreme said nope, this does apply. And and sorry guys, but that's not the business of insurance. That's called screwing people, and uh, and, and the law says you can't do that. Well, you would have thought that the result of those cases would have been that this BS would have stopped, and if it didn't stop, people would start going to jail. You'd be wrong. Well, the uh, funny you should mention that because uh, Kevin's met a few of these guys from the uh, my Fed buddies, which of course I haven't seen them since COVID. But uh, we were doing a show one day, and I've, one of you two knaves <laughs> was on talking about that that very same bill and how. These when these guys how they were they got this exemption from antitrust, so I go to get an adult beverage, and of course one of the guys has the bill in front of me. So <laughs> you know, see this this thing actually does, and I'm starting to read it. I go, wait a minute, what it says is I think this is this is a very layman's thing. It says is that the insurance companies are are, uh, are immune from antitrust, like if they give somebody who smokes a different price versus somebody else. It doesn't carry through to their suppliers. 
how they can get a better deal from a hospital than anybody else. It doesn't say that. But the, well, but right. What, what, what McCarran-Ferguson does is make legal things like the data exchange that takes place with car insurance companies so that one car insurance company knows that, you know, you've destroyed four cars. Right. Okay. That's Without that, the collusive action that goes on every single day in trying to price risk would be illegal. It would be a felony. And so McCarran Ferguson says that in the business of insurance, you can do those kinds of things. And the whole, the, the whole reason for it is because people like my father tried to hose Blue Cross and got caught. And as a result, if there was another health insurance company, how would they know that he had done this in the past to but for the sharing of that information? But it never, it, it, it doesn't, the stuff that, I mean, I don't know if you listen, how much you listen to Kevin. It doesn't extend to suppliers and vendors or anything. And in fact, the Supreme Court said in the Royal Drug case, what they said is that, you know, you guys basically came in here trying to claim that McCarran Ferguson immunized you from this. Yeah, this Kevin, is not, what, what you are doing is not the business of insurance. All you're doing is trying to negotiate a volume pricing agreement. Well, because uh, Kevin has talked about this on many occasions, that that's the reason why, when, when you, you talked about this when you were at Better World Books, Kevin, that's the reason why Better World Books or PTI cannot self-insured. We don't have the same prices in the network, right? It's not, it's not because if you, I'm going to say if you had a, uh, who the hell is telling me this? Bob's, was Bob Sarone or, uh, one of our guys that if, that if, if you have more than 50 people, you should be able to buy a, uh, what do you call it, big time policy if somebody has a cancer or a kid who's born early or something like that to where the, where the big prices are. You should be able to buy an umbrella policy and self-insure the rest of the stuff. If you had the same prices as Blue Cross pays, but you don't. I mean, as long right. as your, your appendectomy is 100 grand and theirs is 20, you got a problem. And, and, and these guys all claim, like you say, this McCarran Ferguson. I don't think it says it at all, does it? It doesn't say it, and that's and the the, the real the bar. And the thing is, this isn't just you know what somebody in a bar is arguing, or someone who's you know I read the law, then I you know all right, well that's what it appears to say. No, no, no. This has gone through formal process forty years ago. This went all the way to the Supreme Court, and and they lost. And so you would have thought, at that point, it's over. This nonsense is done. Well, if we'd stopped it 40 years ago, absolutely none of what went on over the last 18 months well, would have happened. We've had two, none two, of it. We'll have, we've had two presidents in a row, one that would um, try his best to embarrass the Supreme Court and sort of ignore him. Uh, now we got a guy who does anything bad about him, he just ignores him. I mean, <laughs> when is this... When does it start that the people who, who abuse the laws the most are the people that are, that are in charge of the place? I mean, Kevin, you always talk about that with, uh, you know, I mean, with Sleepy Joe. I mean, it, there, there's he. What was the uh, what was the thing he just said? He was it the wasn't the the well, vaccines? They, they, the, among other things, you know, one of them was the uh, the rent moratorium. Yeah, um, right. Uh, and, and they and they just ignored that. Um, they and, and they think workarounds, which is which was cited in the uh, fifth district's um, uh, uh, slapdown of the um, uh, the uh, uh, OSHA uh, the, the OSHA rule about uh, uh, for uh, uh, businesses requiring vaccinations. So uh, they they have you know they think workarounds the law is to be worked around, not to be followed. And uh, and the most recent one is uh, re- 
remain in Mexico, which they took months to tr- to actually do something about it. And then when they finally did, um, they're only partially uh, implementing remain in Mexico. So yeah, they they're just saying, what do we, you know? I'm just not doing that. You know, is has been the uh, the attitude, and it's just gotten uh, worse over time. Now that's that's where we are. Well, there's no there's no real the, method. The lawlessness starts right at the top. It, it is it is just baked into how we govern now. Well, there's a Supreme Court. I, I don't. I'm no constitutional guy. Do they have any enforcement mechanism? Of course they do. What? Contempt of court. Okay, but that's another three year process, and I mean it, it doesn't seem to have stopped these guys at all. I mean it didn't stop Trump either. I mean it just. They just well, you know, you know what the enforcement mechanism is, Chief. You're not, you're not going to like it, this, but it's, it's the truth. Okay, the enforcement mechanism is that the people of this country stand up and say, if you're not going to enforce the law that screws us out of every penny we have, and and the reason we're getting screwed is because you won't enforce the law, then we don't care about the law against arson, and you're all levered up to your gills, and so as a result. Your car is going to burn tonight well, out in front of your house. We, we don't want to get there, but that is... I know I know uh, you don't want to go there, but you know what? The entire reason we have a civil society is because when the judge bangs his gavel and says, this is how it is, you do it. Yeah, oh yeah. I agree. And, it, and we're seeing less and less of that. And we have so many, and we don't get the bad laws off the books. There's like, even if you wanted to enforce every one, there's millions of them. you you got to pick the ones you're going to concentrate on, right? Anyway, well, uh, that's true, but you know, it, it, we're talking about something here that has now grown into a monster that is literally twenty percent of every dollar spent in the United States. Well, that's true. That is, I mean, that with seemingly no recognition because your employer pays for it. If if you're a, a big enough guy, if you're the guys that care about it, are the guys that are lower, nobody pays attention to them either. Kevin, thank you very much, buddy. By the way, I still am very disappointed to see you rushing the floor on Saturday. Um, you know, if I rushed the floor, I would have been down there, you know, at the speed I move. Uh, I would have been down on the floor about the time the crowd dispersed. Um, there you go. But the, it's always oh, good to... Actually, when, real quickly, the, uh, I did learn something uh, uh, something new uh, watching that basketball game. There was a play where um, uh, Blake Wesley stole the ball and went in for a dunk, and, you know, most of the crowd just leapt to its feet to... Year, and I found out that uh, leaping to my feet is not on the agenda anymore. It is more like a slowly stand up chair. <laughs> well, they got you scrunched in those seats pretty tight. So, with my long legs, uh, I'm lucky. It's not I'm not bad. It's not bad. Everybody's got a theater seat now since they've right. on the arena. All right. Well, one of the, I don't know, hopefully I'll get down there. Should have been down there Saturday. It was a good one. Plus, I, I'm a fan of the fans. So, um, anyway, Kevin, thank you. SP Futures up eight, and as if he's up fifty nine. Be right back. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 
treatment. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed, and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body, too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of Home Source Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Interested in promoting your business to a high-end audience comprised of entrepreneurs, traders, executives, and the everyday business person? Consider advertising on Stocks and Jocks. With a devout listenership covering the Chicago market along with a vast online presence, advertising on Stocks and Jocks may be just what it takes to put your business over the top. For more information, contact me, Matt Weber, at matt at stocksandjocks.net. That's matt at stocksandjocks.net. Hear ye, hear ye! The Homer Broadcasting System is on the air! Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control! Right here, right now, right here, right now. There's something happening here. Welcome to Pay Station Jacks. I'm Tom Howie. He's just been over on the board. SP Futures now up seven. They were up, uh, 20 last night. NSF Futures up 57. So we're still up, but not as much. Uh, what we were talking about, Carl, is, uh, the Irish, uh, every year now they put somebody up in this, uh, they don't call it like a Hall of Famer. They call it a ring of, ring of something, something. They put a banner up for people that were really big on the program and, uh, and they've had nine, nine of them now they put up there. And now they're putting some of the ladies up there too. So they're actually Muffet McGraw went in yesterday, but on Saturday, uh, they put in, uh, I forget, I'm going brain dead here, maybe. Lafonso Ellis. They put Lafonso Ellis in. I've been down for like three, four, five of them. And, uh, I was down for Austin Carr and Adrian Dantley and, uh, David. They call Rivers. it the Ring of Honor. Ring of Honor. And it's, it's, it's a nice deal, but it's, it's kind of a, it's a way to have an old home week because a lot of the guys who played for them with them show up and everything. And, and one of the, one of the, uh, weeks, I take my cousin down there, and if anybody could talk more than me, he does. Uh, he's a guy who played halfback at, uh, University of Colorado, and he, you know, pretty good athlete. And he, uh, so he, we, we end up in the, in the, you know, in the bookstore, of course, buying, buying crap like everybody does. And there's a big tall black guy I started talking to, and his wife, my cousin, of course, is BSing with her, and she was most char- one of the most charming people I ever met. And I'm talking to the guy, and I, I recognize him, but of course, I'm horrible on names. It turned out it was Manny Williams, the guy who's not a coach of uh, Phoenix, right, Manny? That's right. Yeah, and uh, and he had he had a kind of a spotty career at Notre Dame because I think he had some had a heart issue or blood clot issue or something, and he he had extended period of times when he was off, but he was seen he had a good senior year. He got drafted, had a nice NBA career, and now he's a coach. And he's anyway really really nice guy, and, and the wife was just you know. And I, why, why did she's BS with my cousin that long? I have no idea. But it turns out that she got killed in a car crash a few years after that. I, I heard that. I, I felt ter- terrible. I, mean, I, I don't think I've met very many people that in a, 
a 20-minute period impressed you so much as both him and his wife. I mean, they were just the nicest. And, of course, she's buying all this stuff for her nieces and nephews. <laughs> what her name crap? And my, my cousin's helping them pick out. Oh, they won't like that. This one better. <laughs> what are you doing? Anyway, but you know, and, and I don't know. I don't know if he's remarried. They had like four kids, man. And, uh, yeah, it was a big story when it happened. Yeah, and, and uh, I don't know if he's remarried or not, but he's uh, coaching the Phoenix Suns and been very successful where they were in the finals last year. Yeah. Uh, and this year they're one of the best teams in the league. But, um, but yeah, I'm very sad. Well, so is he from what, the Digger Tree? Monty? Oh, he's from Digger Phelps. I don't think he played for Digger Phelps, did he? I, I think he was I, after that. Maybe he was. I'd have to look it up. The fans did. Is, is, is he is he uh, younger than the fans? I think he is, but maybe not. I'd have to look it up. All right. Well, the uh, so what do you think the Fed's going to do this week, uh, Carl? I mean, anything worthwhile? Are they going to do? First of all, are they going to do what they say they're going to do after they tell us what they're going to do? Well, I, I think you're going to. I think you're going to see the pushback come here because if they don't. Uh, you know, this, this whole nonsense about transitory is, is at this point, uh, I think pretty much out the window, right? Yeah, but where's it, where's it gonna come from and, and to what degree? Because it's, it's not what they say or supposedly what they do. It's the backdoor stuff that goes on that actually leads to, you know, leads to the problem in the first place and ultimately ends up stopping it. I mean, you know, Volcker, you know, infamously, you know, kept raising rates, kept raising rates, kept raising rates, and, you know, and, and you and many other people have argued, you know, he went way too far with it. Uh, but the, the reality is, is that it's, it's the behind the scenes stuff that ends up choking this off in the end. Because at the end of the day, it's Congress that emits every single treasury bill that ends up out in the marketplace and causes this in the first place. Well, okay, but if it's, I'm going to say not really, uh, because the, the, there, there is somewhat of a discipline on the system or, or the design of the system, right? Is if Congress decides to go out and they want to spend, pick a number, it used to be a, the big number, Carl, a billion dollars. I still can't wing the, the trillion ones around. So let's say a billion dollars. They have to do, theoretically, one of two things to get it. They got either tax for it, which A is unpopular and kind of gives you a, it gives you a nothing. Even if you're, if you're a, a pure Keynesian, if I go out and borrow a billion dollars from you and you write the check and you give it to government, okay, what what do I gain? The government is spending a billion instead of you. But there was a time when people used to save 10, 15, 20% of their money. So, but now, of course, you got the flip side of that is savings equal investment. So if you, Carl, put... Two hundred thousand in the bank and spend eight hundred. The two hundred thousand now becomes available to borrow. So it's really just as important in the long run as consumption. Correct. But if if you want to jumpstart the economy, if the government borrows that money from you, they're not going to save any of it, right? They're going to spend all of it. Right. They spend they spend one hundred percent of that. Right. So you you pick up in the short run the twenty percent that you would otherwise have 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 saved. In consumption. So if you're, if your economy's lagging, what you're trying to do is jumpstart the economy. So by doing that and by, by the increased demand that you create in the short run, all of a sudden it's going to pick up a little bit and they can, they can turn around and, and, uh, and, and essentially stop that what they're doing. The other, the other way to do it is to, is to tax for it. So if you charge you where you got to pay another million out of your check for your, for your income tax or whatever it is, Again, you're not gaining anything, right? You're gaining 
you're, you're pulling a, a million out of, of Carl's pocket, and he's a citizen, and you're putting it in the government's pocket, but it's it's sort of like borrowing money from your wife, right? If you look at the household itself, the household's not even, right? So right. Well, that's well, that's the, that's what makes you know taxing it unpopular, right? And, yeah. and in addition to that, it exposes to the public immediately the cost of whatever it is that you wanted to do. Right. So those are the two, I'll say, disciplines baked into the system. The third rail, however, is the Fed making up money, and when they go out to sell the million dollars, you billion million dollars, you buy half half the loan and the fed makes up the money and buys the other half so we now have 500,000 of new money that's entered the system out of nowhere right now this now becomes a hell of a lot easier for the federal government to spend more and take care of either their buddies or their political their votes whatever it happens to be or to, to wage a war if you have to or to do other stuff i mean there's not like there aren't legitimate reasons for that to happen right but you but, but the but the end of the game there is if you do too much of that, now all you're doing is making up money and pouring in the system, and everybody agrees that if you just doubled the money in everybody's pocket, you haven't created anything, right? So if you if you take it to the extreme, you're nowhere. So where am I? Am I, am I right so far? So yeah, uh, it's uh, yeah. The problem is is that there's you know what everyone what everyone likes to believe is that this is this is essentially a circular system. Okay, so if you do this. You get the economic activity, and yeah, okay, there's an inflationary cost, but but that's you know it, it, everything is balanced, okay? That's not true, and that's and this is one of the things that I have I get into it with people over this all the time. I've, I've been getting into it with people over this for 25, 30, 40 years, and and for some reason it goes over everyone's head, and I don't get it because the people that are supposedly smarter than you and I all know this, and that is. That the we think that the laws of thermodynamics only apply to the engine in your car, for example. We're wrong. That's just wrong. The laws of thermodynamics apply to, and, and entropy apply to everything in the universe, and always have, and always will. Which means when you do this, there will be loss. And the more game playing you you make. The more transitions you take from one place to another, the more steps that... And this is, you know, I mean, Chief, you know this. The, the lowest cost loan you can have is if I have money and I lend it to you. Because there's only two of us that have to touch it. Right, right. Yeah. Nobody else has to get paid, right? As soon as you go to a bank and there's a loan officer and a committee and a blah, 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 all those people's salaries have to be paid. Well, but if it's done efficiently, it's okay. But it's not more efficient to do that than to not do it that way. And so when you put it through government and you do this with the with the money, the credit emission, whatever, it's not money, it's credit. Let's let's be honest. Okay, they spend the same way, but it's credit. When you do this, the loss, inherent, the frictional loss inherent in the transaction is always greater. Well, I'm gonna go two two points I want to make. I want to go back to uh uh, when the, the savings and loan part, I I happen to think, um, Carl, because in those days of people, I knew some of the people who worked at there were savings and loans all over the place in Chicago. You remember that? And uh, but they savings and loan for people that don't. Before there were uh, the rules changed, you couldn't get a checking account or a savings and loan. It was it was all time deposits, so you had a savings account. Were they 85% mortgages or 80% were mortgages, right? And you could make it maybe do 
ten or fifteen percent on commercial loans or something. But basically, they were they were in business to have people to make loans on people's houses. So if you if you were in, you know, uh, Marquette Savings and Loan, the people essentially in Marquette Park, the neighborhood, put their savings in there, and they got I'm going to say Carl three three and a quarter, maybe three and a half, on their passbook because you had a passbook, no checks, right. and and the mortgages were six percent. So for two and a half percent or two maybe three, they did all the work. Uh, had the building, had the nice lobby, and that wasn't as nice as now because they didn't have that much money, and paid for basically uh, little league teams, they had a team in every league. I, I don't think, Carl, that that amount of money, because what ends up happening, I mean, I mean, Carl at one point, we'll take Carl, we'll use him as an example. When Carl was a young stud, he only owned businesses, he had ideas, you know, he did a, a lot of stuff, got a lot of people jobs, a lot of ideas. Well, now, you know, He's not 25 anymore. He's got a bunch of cash. So the people with the cash don't always match up with the people that that uh, have the ideas for the new building, the new hula hoop, or the new drug, or whatever it is. So somebody, get, an intermediary, gets in the middle and can be either efficient or not efficient. I'm going to say the savings loans are pretty damn efficient, Carl, to do that for 2.5%. Um, oh yeah, and, and and you know, look, don't get me wrong. Without the without the lubrication of that of the system, the ability to match, you know, I mean, what do, we do, what do we do all day when we trade? Right, you're matching buyers and sellers. Hello, that's that's the entire point of it. Uh, without that, you're back to trading chickens. Well, I got a chicken, and you got some gas. Well, I don't need any gas. My tank's full. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, we're back to that world, right? So I mean, don't don't get me wrong that that in, in saying that we don't need any of this stuff. Well, but how do, but how do I, people? What I, but what I'm trying to point out is that we we continually think that we can gain this and not pay the price for it. Well, I don't think anybody. It's gotten so scattered. I don't know if you can find anybody in any any either a, a library, a coffee shop, or a watering hole that if you say, okay, what what is neutral? I mean, what is what is what is a neutral number on 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 your, on your money? First of all, most people, especially if you live in the Midwest, don't understand that, that money is just a good like everything else. It's, it's same way with labor. Labor is is just another good, correct? I mean, it, everything yeah. everything forms everything lives by the same economic laws. So if you sit there and you say, "All right, there's here's your your GDP is X." And your money supply is X. Alright, and everybody's pretty happy about here, here's where the prices are. Okay, so, if your growth is 3%, neutral, I mean, a real growth of 3%, I mean 3% more widgets, 3% more, you know, whatever, uh, every year. Uh, you, if you, if you keep the growth of the money supply at 3%, you don't cause any waves either less or more. If it doesn't grow at all, Okay, if your money supply doesn't grow at all, you're going to have to cut your prices every year because now you don't have enough, enough money in the system to keep them stable, right? But if you if you increase the money supply by 10%, you're only growing by 3%, you're going to say to yourself, well, it looks to me that over time, the prices are going to start inching up because there's the the good money, the money good is coming in more than the other stuff. But this is this is very, very basic, Carl. And I, I, I don't know. So... Right now, we have guys, our growth, our real growth can't be more. If it's above zero, I'm not talking about the year after COVID versus the year before. I'm talking about in the last 
15 years, let's say it's 1% or 2% or even charitable, 3%. Since since 2007, these guys have averaged 8.5% growth in the money supply. So that's 5.5% over even a charitable growth rate of 3 for 12 years. I mean, you were talking about the, the Nixon era, how it, it started under Nixon and, and Ford essentially, or uh, Carter got blamed for it. it. This this is always a long time coming. Cause oh, yeah. Because it, it'll end up in one area. That in those days, it was uh, it was oil, and we blamed it on the Arabs. Those dirty Arabs, those guys with the turbans are screwing us. Now, this time, it's been quiet because it's in a hosp- it was in the hospitalization sector and in, and in higher education for basically a decade. And you got lost. Well, it's been two decades, and and, you know, Chief. The thing that's interesting about this is that one of the places that I've pointed out since the 1990s that was going to eventually end up collapsing the federal government's funding model was Medicare and Medicaid because of the expansion of expense there, and the fact that you can't possibly put on that kind of number in additional tax revenues. Okay, and that Medicare what it was designed was designed for a system where healthcare consumed about 4% of GDP. And so the tax rates were set for a healthcare system that consumed 4% of GDP. And the system was sound under that set of assumptions. Problem is, now it's 20% of GDP, which means you'd have to multiply the tax rate by 5. Well, and if it, if it was working okay... I mean, I, you know, fortunately or unfortunately, I've, I've had to use some of the healthcare system in the last 15 years, and as everybody gets older, I think virtually everybody's nudged it a little bit, hopefully not too much, and hopefully it's okay. But um, not only have the prices gone up, but the care is dropping. How can I put this correctly? If you If you need a procedure today, there's never been a time on earth or never been a place that we can even conceive where people are more talented and able to do stuff for you that even 10, 5, 10, 20 years ago, people couldn't even comprehend in terms of uh, if you need an eye procedure, if you're this kind of procedure, some cancers that they can deal with. I mean, it wasn't even, I mean, I mean how many people in our, in our parents' generation, I mean, if you, I, mean, I know my uncles, you know, in 1960-something, if they had heart problems, they were all dead. They'd all be alive today. So, I mean, oh, yeah. in terms uh, of... Uh, you know, don't get me wrong. There's, there's, I mean, the advances are real. But the, okay. but the but the actual care, the ability, the, the idea of having, you know, your 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 kid, you know, sprains an ankle, uh, does something, you know, breaks his finger playing softball, or or somebody has a problem, they go to the emergency room, or and, and you know, or, or gets a cut. That's now that's now a, a five ten thousand dollar visit, and the guy's right, and the person sewing you up is is making you know fifty grand a year, maybe, you know, or seventy or eighty. I mean, the, the the costs don't even begin to match what you're being charged. It's not even there's this massive overhead on the system that that we that we absolutely cannot support. I mean, it's a cost. I mean, Carl talks, uses his terms and I use mine. I mean, I look at the guy, you know, sewing up my arm if I slip cutting the cutting the ham, and I and my bill's three grand. And I say, okay, if this guy made a hundred thousand a year, okay, that's I mean, what what is what is that per day that he's working? Five hundred, right? Maybe, and, and he was with me 
a third of his day. How does the how how's the bill six grand? Where, 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 how's this not? Yeah, yeah, how's the math work on yeah, that? How, I mean, well, what's the overhead rate? A thousand percent? I mean, what are we doing here? Obviously, it's a you know, it's a it's a sterile room. I mean, it's something. It's not zero. I get that part, but I mean, where are we with this? I mean, we're talking about. I mean, I there's people that I know in the in the building and other places, Carol. My uh, as you know, unfortunately, I'm always, I'm always asking people how they're doing and so forth. I mean, a lot of it's for the show. A lot of it, I actually, I actually do care, you know. And it, boy, one of the guys in the building here, he's a uh, does some work for me. His wife had uh, an issue. Fortunately, she's fine. And he goes, "Oh, big guy." He calls me. He says, "Don't." I, I can't. I almost had to take her to the emergency room. He goes, "That's that's going to cost me five grand." I got like a thirteen thousand dollar duck. He goes, "I don't have five grand." Right. Here's a guy working several jobs, has insurance, and he's paranoid about the system. That 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 didn't happen twenty five years ago. If you were sick, you went. Oh in. no, no. Well, that, but see, that's the whole thing is that the when you when you decouple. So there's so as I've tried to explain many times to people, and yet just seem to allow this to continue to go on. Business has one overriding goal above everything else, and that's to attempt to make a profit. Okay, there are there are always going to be scoundrels and scammers. In any society, I don't care where you are. I don't care. How, you know, people say, "Well, you know, we we have a government that was designed for moral and religious people." Well, you know, they they go back and they try to count the you know put the founders into this, and, and I say, "Look, yeah, in in the 1700s, <laughs> there was the guy out there who was perfectly happy to try to sell you some snake oil and screw you if he could find a way to do it." Right? What stopped him was that there was someone else who wasn't that was able to effectively compete against that guy, and if he did that, he was eventually going to run into a problem because he'd get out-competed and he'd lose. And, and the reason we have a legal system is, to, is if that fails, to stop you from doing it the hard way. We throw your butt in jail. So when you take those constraints and get rid of them, I don't care how often people go to church. It makes no difference. There is always going to be somebody out there who is willing to hose you. And if there is no way to stop him because there's no competition, everybody's colluded and all the competitors have been rolled up into one thing, and now you can't go somewhere else because they're all in on it, you're done. Well, the there's two people, two two areas that I know of, Carl, where they didn't expect people to be perfect, and they and they acted accordingly. One was when they wrote the Constitution. Those guys didn't. You have checks and balances because you know people are crooks, or, or some people want to be right. right? The other, the other, and everybody's going to think I'm absolutely off the wall here, which, you know, I'm a little bit off the wall. The other is a trading floor. Let's assume everybody's a crook. Make sure every single trade is outspoken and, and heard out, outright that everybody can hear. Right. You're not, you're not assuming anybody there is a saint. <laughs> you're, you're, you're making them compete. If they're going to trade something someplace, everybody else has got to hear it. And if they trade something in a half when somebody's at three ace, they're, all hell breaks out. Right, because well, you take a well, you take a look at what you know. I I put the, this video up over the Fourth of July weekend when the when the e minis were trading, and and ultimately led to everybody and their brother being mad at me, and and fundamentally and ultimately the guy who was was spoofing in the futures got caught as a result of the the traffic being thin enough they were actually able to literally nail the dude who was doing it. Okay, yeah, well, he was doing the uh, the old you know. Hey, look, this thousand contract offer, you know, bidder offer is, is sitting out there, and it's you know, it's it's three ticks off where it's trading, and then all of a sudden it disappears. 
and then it comes back and it disappears. He's trying to suck somebody into the other side, and, and uh, you know, it's a, it, I mean, it, but it is illegal to offer to buy or sell something you don't actually intend to transact. Well, yeah, but what, what, if you're the right guy, you can do it. And the question is, who do they who do they enforce laws on? If you're big enough, to well, I, I understand that, but they busted one dude, you know, and, and you know, made a big example out of him. Da 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 da. Okay. The, the thing is, is on an open outcry floor, you'd never get away with this in the no, first place. Well, well, that's why Milton Friedman actually said, he goes, I don't care about inside information. Because if, if, because if you see who you're trading with, you, you, if somebody comes down the first month, and, and like 10 minutes before the IBM earnings, it's, if you can even trade earnings, they're hard to, they're hard to trade because you don't know what the guys are going to say when they're doing it, but, or say with a Fed announcement 10 minutes early, that, that you can trade. Uh, and, and he's going to catch you once. The next month, you might be you're going to do it less. The third month, he might be met with a fist. You know, right? So I mean, you know, there's, there's, but when you have it impersonal like it is now, but I, I have a uh, one question for you. Maybe we'll we'll tee this up uh, on Friday. Is our I have to have him back on because, uh, but he's been he made a move and stuff. Anyway, our buddy Eric May, the our uh, professor from Columbia. Eric, I think even though he's he's so far left that you guys are, are more right. He, he's convinced that the, a lot of this stuff breaks down because everybody keeps talking about. I mean, you just mentioned it, Carl, and it's 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 part of people's business vocabulary. You just said it's you know profit is the motive. Well, I'm going to say in virtually some huge percentage of our lives now, profit is not the motive, or, or it has to be defined differently. All the stuff I've talked about is the things that are totally off the chart. In terms of inflation, in the last twenty years are, is going to be medical stuff, and uh, which in most of the places now, these these uh, hospitals and so forth, they're considered nonprofit, right? Or some of the groups, I guess, aren't. Yeah, so uh, yeah, supposedly, yeah. right? But and your universities are all nonprofit, right? And uh, well, but think, but but think about this: How is it that during the worst pandemic in a hundred years, Medicare spent less on hospitalization? This last fiscal than the one prior. That's easy. You couldn't get in. Um, no, it's easy. They didn't. They got rid of a parasitic cost by killing your grandmother. Um, I'm going to say, well, I needed a procedure, and I was five months waiting for it. But you're not on Medicare. Uh, maybe. All right. I'm just. All I'm saying is that the day is what it is. Okay. And in hospitalization spend by the government on Medicare was down materially. I'm going to, well, I'm going to, right, what I'm, I'm, I'm just saying, the, one of the biggest people laid off were people in hospitals. Oh, absolutely. And, and you know what? And then they supposedly, then they say, well, we don't have, you know, we're, we're at 98% in the ICU. Well, what you didn't bother to tell anybody is you took fifteen percent of capacity out of the system during the lockdown. Yeah, but but all your all your other stuff, all your routine surgeries, your routine yeah, they all got knees, stopped. They all got stopped. But, but anyway, I want to finish finish my point real quick, and then we'll pick both of these up on Friday. Is how do you deal with this management class? The hospital makes a fortune. The guy in charge of the place now makes four times as much as any of the doctors. I mean, it, there's no profit there. I mean, to a certain extent. The guys like Carnegie and Rockefeller, you can at least understand those guys. It was all their skin in the game. 
but but these other right. guys. I mean, I mean, what, what what is the chairman of Camelot? That I mean, you think Camelot Edison cares anymore about profit? Well, and and and, uh, and oh, by the way, the nurses are the one making the million dollars. No, no, <laughs> no. What I'm saying, right. I mean, none of these plays. Why 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 would Notre? I mean, why would Notre Dame if if their overhead goes from? I pick up the Irish because I was talking about them earlier. Their overhead from a teacher. In other words, your tuition is now teacher plus two, so your overhead rate is twenty two hundred percent. If it's now teacher plus eight, and now the chairman or the the, the guys around him, he's a priest, and all those, you know what happens to that money? I never find out. But say it's a regular pr- uh, president, if his salary goes from a million to eight million, I I guess it's profit, but it's not the same definition you and I would normally have, would we? Well, yeah, I mean, that's the, the, the issue is the frictional losses, and when you can collude, you can hide any amount of that, and then when you bring insurance into it that's a regulated business and is only allowed to make 10%, then how do you, if, if you're in that world, how do you grow your company? There's only two ways to do it, have more events or make them more expensive. Well, yeah, but I mean, I guess I don't even know, maybe you can help me here, because I should know this word, if there is such a word. I'm going to say, Carl, that if you and I spent six months, it would take a while, going through the top 300 employees <clears throat> at Commonwealth Edison, People's Gas, University of Illinois, uh, Northwestern Hospital, and just and went through and actually looked at a competitive salary of the top 10% of the people at all those places, I'm going to say we're, we're at least double what you and I might consider to be a competitive salary. What is what, what is there a term for that? I don't think there is. What I mean, what is that? It's not profit. Profit goes to the shareholders. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Well, it's. I mean, it, that's what happens when you have an uncompetitive world. Is that you know people find ways to grift off their piece of it. I mean, you don't have to worry. I mean, I mean Maddie, since he moved a little away, I don't see him too much. But if I go into the Tripoli Tap, I really don't have to worry about Nick paying himself a million bucks. First of all, he probably can't write the check. But if he did, the price of beer would be so high, nobody'd go in there, right? Right. But uh, these other people, I mean, I think I do have to worry how much the guy in Commonwealth Edison's paying. Well, well, that's because you can't choose not to buy the power, or right. you don't have any life. And if I get sick, I got a Northwestern and one of three other. Well, that's, well, yeah. that's the point is that if you, you know if you, if you get in a car accident and, and your legs busted in four places, you kind of sort of need that fixed right now. Oh yeah. So yeah. Anyway, Carl, see you on uh, on Friday. Uh, we'll talk more about um, obviously with the after the Fed meeting. So we'll have all kinds of stuff to talk about. Have a nice week. Right. I'm glad you weren't near uh, near the spot, uh, the tornado. Yeah. All right. All good here. SP futures up nine. Nasdaq futures up fifty nine. Be back, Mister Mike Hart. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading 
ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know. All while exploring how to live your best life through music, spirits, food, sports, travel, fitness, and a whole lot more. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures. It's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into Wall Street's investment gurus. It's for mavericks who believe in life, luxury, and the pursuit of happiness. It's for you. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities. They play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howard, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and tried to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding health care reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage health care costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation and human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello, and welcome back to Stocks and Jocks. I'm Tom Howard. He's Mr. Matt Weber. The board up. SP Futures up 950. Been uh, up all morning. We were up uh, almost 20, and then we were up 8. Now we're up 950, so we're. Especially if we close at a record on Friday, so we're, we're continuing that today, at least so far. NASDAQ futures up 61, Dow futures up 13. Individual stocks, the Dow got Apple goes up every day. So it's it's got to be over three trillion dollars right now. When did it go through a trillion, Maddie? Like two years ago or something? I mean, this, something like that. It's like uh, it, it's crazy. I mean, the three trillion, four trillion, five trillion. I mean, it's like we don't even we don't even know what numbers are putting on these places, nor, nor I guess do we care. Uh, over in Europe, we've got. X up 129.8%. The FTSE down 12.2%. Probably have something to do with uh, Boris uh, Johnson talking about COVID over there. Get around up up six. Call that flat. In Asia, we got the Nikkei up to 202.7%. Shanghai up 14. 
1.4%, Hang Seng down 41.2%. Friday, as we went to new record highs in the S&P, a Dow was up 216 at 35,970, S&P up 44, 4712, NASDAQ up 113, 15,630. We've got bonds, uh, 10-year, um, is actually, is actually down, point, uh, zero two points, well, two basis points to 1.47. The Bund, uh, unchanged at minus point three six. Japan, uh, positive point zero four. So the bonds, like I said earlier, they're not responding at all to what the Fed's telling you they're going to be doing. So I, I don't think I'm unbelievable until they actually do something. I don't think they're going to. Oil down forty five cents seventy one twenty two. Rent down forty four seventy four seventy one. Natural gas up thirteen cents four oh five. Back up over four bucks. Our bob unchanged at two thirteen. Uh, gold. We got gold up. It was up. Now it's down fifty cents seventeen eighty four. Silver up a dime, 22.26. Copper up a penny, 4.30. And we've got Bitcoin down over 2,000 now, 2,036 to 48,366. Anybody got for us, Traffic Weather Sports? 39 minutes past the hour. Good morning once again to everyone out there. Off to a pretty good start here for a Monday morning as far as the expressways are concerned. That earlier crash on I-80 down at Torrance is all clear, so that's good news. That was our only crash uh, last hour, and we have no crashes on any of the expressways so far in this hour. We're starting to see traffic build on the Edens and Kennedy, but no accidents to report. Same for the Eisenhower and Stevenson. Ryan, I-57 and the Bishop Ford are looking good, as is Lakeshore Drive. Only accident in the area is out in the western suburbs. St. Charles Road at Schmale Road, there is a crash. But everything else is all quiet out there. Weather today, a beautiful mid-December day. Lots of sunshine. A high of 48 in the city. Could touch the low 50s uh, further inland in the western suburbs. Right now it is clear and 39 degrees downtown. For our Phoenix listeners, partly cloudy skies with a high of 71 today. Right now it's clear and 49. In sports, the Bears uh, and Packers uh, continued their rivalry last night on Sunday Night Football. And as the Bears uh, holding a 27-21 lead at the half, only to get outscored 24-3 in the second half as they were uh, beaten by the Packers 45-30, dropping the Bears down to 4-10. and Packers, of course, or excuse me, 4-9. and Packers improved to 10-3 on the season. Monday Night Football tonight, for our Phoenix listeners, the 10-2 and Arizona Cardinals look to uh, continue their hold on the top spot in the NFC. They'll host the L.A. Rams, who are 8-4 and in what should be a great matchup tonight on Monday Night Football. Looking forward to that one. College Hoops, it was Northwestern blowing out NJIT 70-52. Speaking of hoops, uh, Zach Levine, Bull star, now enters the COVID protocol, Chief. The Bulls have nine players. Man, are any of these guys even sick, or are they all just... According to uh, Billy Donovan, he said they all have either minor symptoms or are asymptomatic. So uh, certainly not. Uh, no one's on their deathbed, that's for sure. So they they all have it, or they were near somebody who had it. They all tested positive, so they're getting tested like crazy because they're they're you know were uh, exposed to COVID, and so they're they're test per the rules of the that were negotiated between the league and the players association they they increase your testing if you're around it and now guys are testing positive like crazy whether they have any sort of symptoms or not um and right, I, so, so I, I guess a few of them do have mild symptoms and then some of them are completely asymptomatic all of them are vaccinated um but uh they're they're getting these positive tests and the the bulls are worried they may have to forfeit a game or two this week which would be a first well the uh i just yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't want to get into this, but boy, oh boy, 
if you listen, if you have your ears open, there's sounds coming from two directions. In the one direction, it's our constant bleeding about get vaccinated, get this, get your boosters. And the other, the unmistakable sounds of the stuff is either wearing off awful quick or doesn't work. And, and it, it helps mitigate symptoms, I think. I mean, if I, as a matter of fact, I really believe that. So I'm a, I'm a pro-vax person. But to, to think that you, you are not going to get it is, is, or somehow it's going to stop other people from getting it because of you or whatever. Maybe it's just not true. It's not working out that way. I mean, it, is it? No, I mean, that's clear. There, there's been more people, uh, and maybe the testing has just been more stringent. I don't know, but there's been more sort of COVID protocol, uh, cases in the NBA this year than there were last year. <laughs> uh, now granted they played in the bubble last year, but, um, yeah, so it's, uh, what I don't understand. I mean, I agree with you. I think everyone should get vaccinated. It's clear to me that, you know, the, the, uh, the, the really bad symptoms and the, and the, and the deaths are, are, greatly uh, preventable if you're if you're vaccinated and that's the point now okay so you have a certain percentage of people that are vaccinated now and then there's clearly a certain percentage of people that will never get vaccinated because they don't want to so here's where we are at what point if you're vaccinated and are asymptomatic do you still have to go shut down for two weeks is that forever i or is that well, tell you what this the new variant of what i'm reading about that is true it, it blows through all these vaccines it appears and, yeah, uh, but the people aren't dying from no, it. No, but, but it's, it's, it's mild. It's like a cold. Right. And At that th- point, you just gotta say, hey, Maddie, I know you and I, two, almost two years ago, we're doing the show, and I said, Maddie, it looks to me like everybody's gonna get this thing, and you yeah. said, I can't disagree with you. Looks like, but where are the people now that are, that are getting it? Are the people that were, were most protected last year? We also, all the rest of us already had it. Right. But I, but but I think it's a fair question to ask, yeah. and it shouldn't it shouldn't offend anyone on either side, whether you're, you know, the 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 super conservative COVID, COVID uh, you know, like I, I'm still locked in my house and I don't see anyone and I wear two masks, or if you're the complete other side where you think it's like a hoax, this shouldn't offend anyone. Uh, if at some point, I mean, is this going to be ten years from now if you test positive and are completely asymptomatic that you still have to be locked in your house for two weeks, or what? At what point is it okay? If you're vaccinated, and I mean, <laughs> I mean, I, I'm just wondering. I'm asking. Yeah, I'm saying it is, it is actually the question of the day. I'd really like and, to know the answer to that. Like, uh, I'm going to say every politician's got a different story, and and, and it has and the, the science, the science of it, the common sense of it is nowhere near in the forefront. It is it 50 years from now that you know no one has died from COVID in 50 years? But if you test positive, you still can't do anything. Or, or <laughs> if the, if if a bad flu comes through. We shut everything down for that, and then if and if you go somewhere with the flu and give it to somebody else, are you bad? Right. I mean, I'd really at some point you're watching TV and there's packed arenas in at, at all these basketball games, yeah. college and pro, and they're indoors. You know, I'm not talking about the outdoor stuff where we know and, the outdoors. You really and we also have know the mask. The mask don't do any good anyway. And and everyone's yeah. eating and drinking. So even if you do flip a mask on for a little while, you've, you're taking it off when you're eating and drinking and stuff. And I'm and I'm not against any of this, by the way. And there's there's sold out comedy shows over the weekend at the United Center that a lot of people went to. There's all kinds of stuff going on. The world's completely you know reopened in a, in a lot of ways. Um, and and everyone seems to be fine with that, me included. And yet, uh, you know, a lot of people still don't go to work, uh, and that a lot of people are still testing positive with no symptoms and are completely being required to isolate and yeah. can't do anything. And it, it's just, I just, at some point, I'm wondering, you know, 
who's going to make the decision and what, what, when and what will that decision be? Well, plus you've got to be getting tired of hearing that the, that the governor of Utah tested positive. Who cares? Right. We all tested positive too, didn't we? At some point. Yeah, it's just, I don't know. These are the, these are the next, the, the next level of questions. Okay. You know, they, they pushed the vaccine, pushed the vaccine. Most people got it. Some people will never get it. And that's, I guess, their decision. So now what? Do we just, well, if the people are in limbo now for the next the people, five years, 10 years, 50 years? Well, there, there's been still no quarter being given to somebody who already had it. When those, when those are the people that are safest to be around. Right? Right, and that's, uh, and that's, that, that's, that's totally insane, isn't it? Yeah, that, and that also makes no sense, but. But I mean, right now, the risk seems to be if you don't get the vaccine and you get the Omicron variant, which is not very likely yet, but it's, it's getting there quick, uh, you're probably not going to have much of symptoms and, and whatever. If you get the, the Delta variant, you still run the risk of being pretty darn sick, but if you don't croak, you're, you're in two weeks, you might have had a rough two weeks. You're going to be okay, and you're not going to be a danger to anybody. But still, if you're, I mean, you still got Fauci saying, if if vaccinated people go to Christmas dinner with people that are unvaccinated, you should have your mask on. Tell me, there's any difference now whatsoever between vaccinated people and unvaccinated people, whether you get it or not, or whether you test positive. It do, there doesn't seem to be one. No, as far as maybe whether- the, the first the first maybe four months after when the vaccine's real strong, but it's wearing off real quick. It appears. Yeah. I mean, it's it's clear to me that there doesn't seem to be a difference as far as whether or not you're going to test positive. Now, like I said, I do I do believe your symptoms will be lesser, yep. and and I think your your fear of death will certainly be lesser, or your your potential for death. But as far as getting it, I mean, it's clear to me the Bulls, like I said, they have 100% vaccination rate among the roster and the the uh, coaching staff and the traveling party, you know, the trainers and everything else. And yet they have a, an absolute just outbreak going on in their organization, including Stacey King, the broadcast. I mean, everybody, they're all testing positive. They're all okay. <laughs> in, three, in three weeks, they're probably going to be the team that has the least to worry for the rest of the year. And that's, and hopefully that's true. And it probably is. By the way, I, one slight correction I wanted to make. Uh, we were talking about Monty Williams earlier. And you said he was of the Digger era. And I said I thought he was after the Digger era. We were both sort of right. Or both sort of wrong, depending how you look at it. He was recruited by Digger and played his freshman year, appearing in 29 games, uh, and averaging 7.7 points per game in 89-90, which was Digger's uh, second to last season. And then he had whatever issue he had, like you said, where he missed two seasons for some sort of, was it a medical thing? I think it was a blood clot or something. Blood clot or heart issue or whatever. So then he missed Digger's last season, and then he missed John McLeod's first season. Right. And then his two productive years, which are the ones I remember, uh, were for John McLeod, 93 and 94. Uh, he, where he was a really great player, averaged 19 points per game in 92, 93, and then averaged over 22 points per game his, uh, senior season in 93, 94. And that, those were under John McLeod, and then he was drafted in the first round of the, uh, NBA draft by the Knicks. Yeah, I know he went to the Knicks and had a nice career. And then, yeah, had a nice career as kind of a journeyman, uh, uh, backup player, but was a very capable guy. And then obviously such a, you know, team guy, uh, everyone kind of knew he was going to end up being a coach. And those types of guys have a long playing career, even when their skills, you know, diminish because they're so valuable in the locker room. And he was definitely one of those guys. Well, plus they know what they're supposed to do. Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 
and uh, he uh, had a, a couple of coach, head coaching stints in the NBA and, and, and is currently coaching Phoenix. I think that the NBA has uh, upped their game. I actually enjoyed watching a couple of games that aren't even the Bulls. They're, uh, the Bulls actually have probably the, the defense that breaks down more than anybody, even though a couple of people had actually tried it. One guy, Caruso, and a few people. Uh, but the uh, some other teams, I've watched some of these games, and, man, they, they almost look like they're, they're almost throwback games. They're playing pretty tough. Well, the uh, the NBA changed their rules a little bit, uh, where they're they're swallowing the whistle a little bit more on purpose, which is allowing teams to play defense a little bit more, and uh, and it's obviously the pendulum is swinging back to a big a bit more physical style of play because it swung so far the other way where you couldn't even breathe on anyone, and guys like James Harden made a living on you know flopping and, and stuff like that, and they 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 realized they didn't like that version of the of the game. They didn't want the '80s and early '90s version either, where there was fist fights every game. So they're they're well, some people do. Well, yeah, but they're so they're trying to find a happy medium, and I think they're kind of trending in that direction. Which I agree, it's been great. And then the fact that the Bulls have been really good, obviously this stretch, uh, notwithstanding, where they're missing a ton of guys, and and now it's going to be even worse. I'm surprised you didn't get the call. They got guys. I mean, I don't know half the guys anyway, but now I really don't know. Yeah, the Bulls, you know, during this stretch have lost two in a row and are are 500 in their last 10 because they just haven't been able to, you know, uh, DeRozan's been out, Caruso's been out, uh, some of their bench depth, you know, Javante Green and guys like that. Plus the center can't hit his ass with both hands all of a sudden. And he's been in a slump, which is a bad timing. Uh, But in spite of that, the Bulls are still 17 and 10, uh, which is good enough for third place in the Eastern Conference. Um, and they seem to be really together. They, they, they're playing for the coach, and even in the games that they're under man, you can see they're, they're hanging in there. I mean, yeah. they're not, and they have the they have the fourth best defense in the East, and then they and they have the fifth best offense in the East as far as uh, you know points per game and then points allowed per game. So you know if you're top five in both defense and offense in your conference, you're going to be pretty darn good, and they are. What did you make of uh, you know, the Bears? Of course, everybody was talking about the big all the changes now. I think when professional teams change coaches, all they do is buy themselves two more years with the fans, right? I, I don't know. That's part of it. Uh, but I, I wonder, are these guys? I mean, I was listening to uh, Tom Thayer. I actually think it's pretty bright. Uh, maybe not. Maybe because I met him a couple times, and he seemed pretty bright. Uh, matter of fact, real bright. And uh, he was talking. And of course, these, these guys are talking four hours before the game. Like for God's sake, uh, he was saying, "Would well, a guy as good as this Devontae Adams?" That he always thought, now this is Buddy Ryan talking or whatever. You put your second best defender on him and, and you help that guy out with his safety. And rather than, than put your best guy on him and expecting him to cover. Because it's really hard to that cover. That makes a lot of sense to me. Because it's really hard. And sure enough, last night, this guy Jefferson turned quite a, quite a star. Is he the guy on the, on the Bears? Johnson. Johnson. Yeah, yeah. He, uh, he's very good in his second year at corner. And uh, and he did a great job for the first half against Adams, but you can't guard that guy the whole game. No, and they just changed some of the – so it got to the point where he's out there totally by himself. I don't think anybody can do that. No, and then Adams ended up having a monster game overall. He yeah. finished with – let me see here. He caught 10 balls for 121 yards and two touchdowns. So, you know, your best efforts uh, – you know, he got the touchdown right before the half, which was a killer – and then, uh, and then had a great second half. So, Tariq Cohen, I mean, who did the surgery on the guy? Is he never coming back or what? I mean, I think it's one of those things where they signed him to this guaranteed money and now the season is, is, you know, you're, you're not going anywhere. And so they're just thinking, why even, 
what's the point of risking injury and putting him out there? Let's get him fully healthy for next year. So that's this, my guess. Because I, I think he could have played a few weeks ago. Well, this, this kid who scored a two touchdowns last night, why have we this part of the year to get the guy to ball? When he gets the ball, he's electric. Well, they just got him through, like four weeks ago. They traded uh, uh, a sixth-round pick, I think, for him. Well, who let him go? He was with the Dolphins. And uh, the Bears, you know, they they identified that they liked him and uh, they needed a, a punt returner. And they thought, you know, hey, we'd love to slot him right in a punt returner and then give him a couple weeks to kind of learn the offense and maybe we'll, we'll Yeah, the guy looks like, uh, what's his name, Hester out there. He's really fast and he's really good at, at returning punts too. And, uh, yeah, I, th- I mean, they found somebody here and, and they got him for relatively cheap. And so he's only been on the team, I think, for something like six weeks. I didn't... I should know this rule because I've been around forever. If, if you call a fair catch and you drop a punt, is a regular old punt you drop, you can't advance? You can never advance a uh, muffed kick of any kind, whether it's a kickoff or a punt. You can recover it. You can't advance it. All right, but if, but if the ball hits the ground... Now, if, you, if, if he catches it cleanly and then runs, you know... 10 yards and then fumbles you can advance that but if, if it's if it's considered a muff kick whether you know like an onside kick or a, a punt that you muff the punt where you never catch it cleanly and it bounces off of you you cannot advance that you can only recover it but That's if you been the rule but if you as uh, as I know but if a punt hits the ground glances off somebody's leg I can't advance it I thought you can no it's not it's a muff. A, it's still considered a muff punt it's uh it was a punt that was not fielded cleanly um so even if it bounces off somebody or whatever you can fall on it but you cannot advance it and it's not a penalty or anything. You just you get the ball back where you first touched it. All right, because I've I've seen, God, going way back. I've seen a couple of kickoffs where guys sort of screwed it up and scrambled for the ball, and the thing got driven sort of in the end zone, and somebody fell on it. It was a touchdown. Well, yeah, it's where where you first recover. It's where you get it. You just can't advance it. So, but I mean, you but it's not you, the same as you didn't have possession of it until you got it in the end zone. All right, but you, what you're saying is, if it hits any defender along the way, it's it's there. No, I'm saying that when it's when it's recovered, when you possess it, that's where you get it. You can't advance it. Oh, okay, all right. It wasn't possessed until you possess it. If it bounces off of you, it's still a live ball that anyone can get. All right. So, what would you? One of the interesting things is they, of course, I was listening to those guys forever. Is they talk about actually when the Bears played these guys, they had as many first downs as the Packers the last couple times they played them, I and then the yardage is kind of in some areas of the game. I, I just think the Bears are, are short people. How do you how do you even grade a coaching staff like this? Um, you know, the whole world can't be. You and I talked about it on the way in. For a good team, this kid is not playing quarterback. You're you're not going to let him learn the game while you're losing games. I mean, if he's if he's playing for the Cardinals, he's not playing. Yeah. Well, to me, uh, you 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 can't always grade a coaching staff. Certainly, by wins and losses, because there's all kinds of other factors. Are you are you rebuilding? You know, do you have a rookie quarterback? Uh, did you have a ton of injuries? Did did we put the best product on the field for you as an organization? I mean, all those things factor in, and and coaches will get, you know, sort of a, a buy on those types of things. But if you're four years into it and you're seeing some of the same sort of mistakes over and over again, and you're not seeing a, a game plan that's that you think is at the level that it should be, then those, I guess those are the things. Did you lose the locker room? Do the guys still believe in you? Are they still getting up for the games late in the season? That type of stuff. And I guess that's how you would grade a coaching staff. Uh, the Bears problem is so far beyond the coaching staff, and we know that. That, you know, the, the general manager with, with some of the decisions over the last, you know, six years since he's been here, 
certainly the ownership's willing to to invest in certain areas. All those things factor in, and that's why the Bears have been mediocre for the most part for thirty years. Well, I mean, if you, if you with go a back, a couple of exceptions. I mean, if you go back twenty five, thirty years and just look at the draft history. It's very obvious that the Bears do not want to play, do not want to pay young players and don't want to invest in the fifth or sixth round guy versus somebody else's. They don't, they don't seem to, they, they, I want to say they probably have less draft picks than virtually anybody. Well, they, yeah, there's, just, there's some teams like the Rams, uh, who, who trade all their draft picks and the Bears who seemingly trade a lot of draft picks. The 49ers have traded a lot. There's certain, certain teams that value the known commodity versus the unknown commodity. And then there's other teams. You know, more like the Packers and the Patriots, who much value the the draft picks, knowing that you don't have to pay them very much the first few years, because everyone has a salary cap, so no one can invest in everything. I mean, you can't. Right. You'd love to pay everyone, you can't. So you have to pick and choose who you're going to pay, and different organizations do it differently. And you can win both ways, but I think for a sustained success, you'd much rather pay. You know, get a quarterback that's really good and pay him. And then kind of filling around him with, with young, cheap guys via the draft. Did you see, uh, real quick, because I know we got a dash here, you see the poor Hawks the other night? Well, they, they won in, in, uh, in Canada, and they had a huge celebration for Fleury's 500th win, which is pretty neat. Because some of the Canadians stayed on the ice after they lost. It was a shutout, and were clacking their sticks for Fleury because he's from Montreal, right? Okay. And then, then they go play Toronto, and they're basically getting their butt kicked. They're now 4-1. Well, they, they claw their way back in it, so it's four to four. They tie it up with like two minutes to go. Somebody, you know, wings went in the hog net or the hog zone, and it's heading past the, uh, you know, the goal. And a thousand times, you know, a year, you'll see the goalie go around behind the net to gather the puck up and wing it to one of his yeah. defensemen. Well, the thing doesn't hit on the boards; it hits on the glass, and it hits right on one of those support things. So rockets back in front of the net like if somebody, if somebody oh shot it out of a gun. It lands in front of the net. Some guys cruising by it. A goaltender's scrambling back and they open the net and kicks it in there. To look on the goalie's face. He was ready to shoot himself. He would have had a gun. He's like, what the hell just happened? I, mean, I, I, I never saw anything like that. I didn't even see that. That's how they lost? Yeah. It was in regulation right at the end? Yeah, right at the end. It was like, oh like a minute left. That's awful. But, but a guy wings it in, you know, he flips it by and it goes past the net. They use those guys turn around, make sure they gather it up, and they'll just wait there for the other guy to show up. It hits off the the, the stanchion on the glass and it fires back in front. I'm like, what just happened? Some guy comes by the goalie immediately knew he was in trouble, and he comes flying around, makes a dive for it. Almost got back in time, but didn't. Anyway, SP Futures up five. As if he's up fifty, back tomorrow. Stocks and jacks. Hey guys, what's up, G? Want to go to Chachki's? Get some coffee? A little early. I, mean. I gotta get out of here. I think I'm gonna lose it. Uh oh. Sounds like somebody's got a case of the Mondays. <laughs> Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. CairoMed. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. 
DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968.